1: I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Terry Patton. He's the author of A New Republic of the Heart, An Ethos for Revolutionaries. And this is a guide to inner work for holistic change. Terry, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe.
2: Thank you so much, Justine. I'm delighted to be here.
1: I'm delighted to have you. In your book, you talk about what is quoted black swan events or wicked problems and we're being called to undertake a great transition of the whole human system even while we're living within these old patterns so what can you say to guide us
2: (laughs) (laughs) well you know uh There could hardly be a challenge that was better designed to elude our ability to deal with it than climate change. You know, it's... uh Causes are distant, it's invisible and odorless, it's happening all the time, so it seems like it's background. But as Bill McKibben wrote recently in The New Yorker, there's probably nothing more significant for the future of the human species than the amounts of carbon we're spewing into the atmosphere every day, and yet it's just background, and we're paying more attention to things that dart into our field of vision and seem high impact, and so it's very hard to see it. But we're actually in a moment in which we may be overshooting our whole planetary carrying capacity. The actual amounts of carbon in the atmosphere, the actual temperature changes are actually tracking worse than the worst case predictions of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And
1: most of us don't want to hear that news.
2: Exactly. And it strikes fear. And therefore, we actually have neurological reasons that we can't even cognize it. So most of us are in denial. Those of us who aren't in denial are tending to think everything's going to hell in a handbasket and becoming debilitated by that dark news. So to find our way to a different place in which we recognize that we really don't know. The future is emergent. The future is not determined. And the future will be co-created by our behavior and by our consciousness and by our ways of being with one another. So, all of that coming together in this moment is momentous, and we're the lucky people who get to be here. You know, If the measure of a human life is your opportunity to be around for something of real significance in a larger scale, we've hit the jackpot. This is it. And our souls said, okay, I'll be here for this. So somehow, oddly enough, there is some measure of responsibility distributed throughout the whole human system. We know the president doesn't run everything, the secretary general, the Heads of other governments, the super rich individuals, they all have more power than the average person, but nobody runs the whole world. Some measure of the consciousness and choice that's possible in the human collective is in the very chair you're sitting in. And if we each enact some of that, we create a cultural context in which some of these heavier hitters are going to have the kind of context and support out of which they can do their best work. So we actually have a role to play.
1: I love it when you say, we're lucky <laughs> to <laughs> live in these these wicked times. Like, lucky? Okay.
2: Well, if everything you loved was going to be threatened, wouldn't you want to be there to do something? Well, you are. <laughs> and that which
1: we love is that which we tend to protect. So you're saying, love more.
2: Yes. One of the things that we have... A real bad habit of doing is having some truth that we're going to bludgeon each other with. And I'm going to tell you to love more like I'm in some superior moral position. I mean, you know, who are you, buddy? Uh, all of us are explorers and venturers at the edge of an unknowable reality. And a kind of humility and curiosity and mutual respect and affection that lets us become friends at a different level and lets us inhabit this lifeboat that we're on together, respecting that. Fighting and puncturing additional holes in what's holding us up is not our best way forward. And beginning to become a phalanx of care that actually exerts more power and more authority. Love that is stronger than fear and threat. We're used to these lowest common denominator forms of power and think that they're what is really going to rule the day. Not so, I don't think. You know, there's a revisioning of Darwin's theory going on right now. People are beginning to recognize in his last book, Darwin used survival of the fittest twice, once to debunk it, and he used love 96 times and altruism 70-some times and and moral sentiments 40-some times. The actual course of evolution is not a lowest common denominator affair, and we can exert our moral authority in ways that would surprise us. What's best in the human family tends to feel isolated and marginalized and powerless, but it's not.
1: That's a powerful statement. I'm thinking as you're speaking about it that the word that comes to me is for us to act through our authenticity. Now, that's easier said than done because I think to be authentic means we have to allow ourselves to get out of our citadels of protection and defensiveness and defending our ideas.
2: Yes, exactly. I've come to realize that my opinions and my points of view are fluid, and this game of having a stand or a plank in a platform or an opinion, that's the old paradigm. Our best versions of reality are all provisional. We're constantly revising our best knowledge about reality, and the best things I've written, the best things I've said, will hopefully be superseded because they'll help catalyze intensifying evolution of our understanding, and we'll graduate to even higher syntheses. That's the game we're in.
1: So we keep building on the good that is going before us. And what does that mean, good? Uh, means life-supporting.
2: Yes, the thriving of life. We're in a moment in which our whole civilizational system is no longer sustainable and we're going to have to go through whole systems change. There's probably going to be some breakdown and there's probably going to be some awful moments, but what's best in us will rise up even in the face of that. And you know, Even if you are personally threatened, how bad can it get? If for some reason everything went beautifully and all our problems were magically solved by technology, we would still be subject to sickness, old age, and death. There's going to be grief and loss in every human life and joy and gladness. And that's going to be our fate no matter what. So the fact that we're living in this time of punctuated equilibrium, which everything is is going to change, shouldn't terrify us. It should vivify us, it should awaken us, it should energize, it should quicken us. And if we let it quicken us into contact with each other and contact with our responsibility, it can actually be, oddly enough, a blessing rather than a curse.
1: As you're speaking, I'm thinking of a quote from Einstein when he was asked, well, if you had an hour to solve all the problems in the world, how would you do it? and he said well i would spend 55 minutes of that hour looking at what is the question i should be asking and once i know the best question then i can solve it in 5 minutes <laughs> and and that's really what you're talking about is that not knowing but going collectively for what is the questions we should be asking that would lead us to a more effective and and beauty-filled, life-filled life?
2: Well, you know, my book, in a way, is a meditation on the biggest questions of all, and it, in a way, opens up a whole host of additional questions. And my thesis is that Resting in those questions and letting them exert a kind of pull upon our consciousness and our relationships is our practice. What we tend to do is look away from them and change the subject because it makes us uncomfortable. Because we don't have answers. Well, that's right. But our answers are never adequate to the profundity and paradoxical stuckness of our moment. So instead of trying to Relieve the tension we're under with an answer that isn't even really adequate. Learning to undergo the ordeal and bear the tension of being alive at a time when these questions are kind of crucifying and opening our being wider and wider and wider. That's the the practice. That's the opportunity. And to be doing that with others, find another person who can feel it that way and just be in that You're going to find yourself quite intimate. You're going to find your friendship reaching a different level. And these are the kind of people you're going to want to be close to if we do find ourselves in a moment of crisis that that disrupts our own safety.
1: I'm reminded of the Rilke poem that he wrote to the young poet, and he's talking about if we live into the question, then someday...
2: He said, live the questions, love the questions. Yes. And he was arguing that to develop the artist within, the poet within, being with the questions. Uh, and
1: someday we'll live into the answer.
2: Well, I, the answers are absolutely necessary, but we tend to cut short the process the of The living
1: part of it.
2: Yeah. Into the which question. is
1: difficult because we don't like to live in uncertainty. That's a hard one for us, and yet here we are. We are in an age, I guess, if we call it the new era of uncertainty. And that's also exciting, too, isn't it? Because then it's creative and fluid.
2: Well, and it's reality. We can either avoid it and try to make it go away, or we can be honest and present to what is. But, you know, thank God it's an uncertainty, (laughs) you know, with something like 413 parts per million of carbon dioxide, record high temperatures. If we're gonna to go to a certainty, it's kind of a dark one. The fact that it's an uncertainty is actually a basis for hope. And let's recognize the the ability of our minds to hold the whole cosmos, even while we're very small and we're only one among seven and a half billion on the planet, is a paradoxical blessing. You know, we can, with our minds, look back 13.8 billion years. Look forward to what might be the end of the human experiment. What a vista. And and the eyes of evolution are seeing itself as if for the first time through our eyes, and our eyes are meeting in the midst of that. And our hearts are breaking because we may have done in our progeny, and yet the sassy, aliveness, humor, and lightheartedness, the resurgent, joyous, undimmed affirmative spirit that is the very nature of what it is to be alive is surging forth in us in the midst of this and what miracles will we co-create or will we witness that's the moment we're really in
1: you know terry as you're saying that A cartoon is coming to mind. This is like a New Yorker cartoon that I remember. I don't remember many of these, but this one I remember. It's a drawing of just a whole sea of penguins. And they all look exactly the same. It's this this whole society of penguins. And right in the middle of them is this one penguin with its wings thrown up in the air. And he's singing, I got to be me. (laughs) 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 But that's what you're talking about is our contribution within this sea of collective. And it's no small thing.
2: You know, it's a paradox. In a way, we've got to release that emphasis on self. And in another way, we've got to come to cherish the sacredness of our own unique contribution and our own soul's opportunity. To some degree, the separate one is an illusion and just a user illusion, as they say in the cognitive neuroscience. In another sense, it is the purpose and destiny of each individual soul that will drive us forward to our best destiny and we have to be able to hold, you know, like the wave and the particle, what is it? It's both. Well, you know, it's soul and and the transcendence of self. Both, both.
1: Whew. Wow. So I just suggest uh, people... Pick up this book, give it a go, take some months to read it. Don't go through it fast because you won't be able to, but you will find many gems within its pages. Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Terry.
2: Thank you, Justine. Good to be here with you.
1: I've been here with Terry Patton, and he is the author of A New Republic of the Heart, An Ethos for Revolutionaries. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, terrypatton.com. He spells his name T-E-R-R-Y-P-A-T-T-E-N, terrypatton.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine willis toms and I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. And I do invite you, please do, join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member,